Welcome to Biblical Higher Ed Talk, where we tap into the wisdom of leaders and practitioners of biblical higher education for the advancement of colleges and universities teaching the way of Christ in the modern world. Each week, we'll tackle topics around leading your organization, expanding your impact in the world, and deepening your faith through Christ-centered conversations. Ready to make a difference in the lives of your faculty, staff, and students? Then let's begin our journey. Today on Biblical Higher Ed Talk, I sit down with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois, to discuss the critical connection between the church and biblical higher education. How can we best serve the church as we fulfill our institutional mission? Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Philip Dearborn, president of the Association for Biblical Higher Education, And we are honored to have as our guest this week, Mark Job. I've invited Mark to talk about the connection between the church and biblical higher education. Mark is the president of Moody Bible Institute, which means he provides leadership over the Bible Institute, Moody Production, and Moody Publishing. He also serves as the senior and founding pastor of New Life Community Church with locations throughout the Chicago area. He's also the founder of New Life Centers, an organization focused on helping youth in underserved areas of Chicago. So, Mark, thank you and welcome to our podcast. Phil, it's great to be with you. We've known each other for a few years. Let me just let our audience know that I have uh, yard work happening outside of my office, so they hear some nice motors going as well. (laughs) Well, it's the real Mark Job that we'll be interacting (laughs) with, so... Mark, uh, our listeners are all familiar with Moody Bible Institute. You've been the president there for the last uh, five years. Uh, So for our listeners to get to know you a little bit, tell us about a defining moment in your life, either your professional or personal life that God used to kind of set a trajectory for you forward. That's a great question, Phil. You know, life is a series of defining moments, and some of them are in bold letters. Some of them are not so, they're italic. I would say that one of the defining moments was I was 21 years old. I had started to pastor a inner city church in the southwest side of Chicago with less than 20 people, 18 people, drug dealers on the corner. And I took what I had learned in Bible school and a sense of calling and threw myself into it and only to come sort of crashing down six months into it. I was leading worship and preaching and cleaning the church and leading the Bible studies. And I had no insurance. They were paying me $8,000 a year. And I remember having to go to the doctor that my grandmother recommended because I had no insurance. And he said, son, you're exhausted. You need to just rest. And laying on that flowery couch covered with plastic in my grandmother's house, whining to God. And I sensed that God was convicting me. You are not the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. This is my work, not yours. And I had to repent of trying to do the work of God and the power of the flesh. And I determined at that time 
with tears in my eyes and repentance that I would never try to do in my own power, that I wasn't the Messiah, that I serve a Messiah, that he needs to be Jesus, King of Kings, and I'm just a servant. And it changed really the trajectory. I went back and saw much more fruit, but spent more time in prayer, more time in his presence, more time releasing to God things that I had no control over. I'm glad I had that critical moment because it really did change the way that I do ministry. Yeah, what an experience at a young age, which often you see leaders who unfortunately learn that lesson a bit later in life. But to get that lesson early on definitely set a a trajectory forward for you. So you've been president now at, at Moody for the last five years. Moody Bible Institute is a flagship institution for ABHE. I believe if you go back when we were founded 77 years ago, Moody Bible Institute, I think was one of 12 institutions that formed ABHE. I'm not sure what the name was back then, but ABHE today. So it played a critical role. And you look at the history of Moody Bible Institute, just the thousands of students who have graduated, the reach that you have through publications, through the publication side of things, as well as the production side of things. So you've been at the helm now for the last five years. What's been your biggest surprise walking into Moody Bible Institute? (laughs) Well, Phil, I came straight from pastoring, church planting, preaching, teaching. So I was very unfamiliar with the higher education world. Uh, So much more entrepreneurial evangelism. And I guess two surprises, one on the negative side and one on the positive side. On the negative side, I realized, wow, a 137-year-old institution with much more regulations in higher education, it's much slower to move this ship than what I'm used to in a church setting. We often say in higher education that higher education moves at glacier speed. <laughs> so that was one surprise. This It takes a lot. It's slower than what I expected. But also the other positive surprise is that the impact is just exponential. I mean, I was evaluating a little bit our sort of our yearly impact and figured out conservatively about 10 million people a year. You know, there's 50,000 living alumni that are all ministering, many of them overseas. The publishing, there's 3.5 million books that are sold every year, many of them. And then the radio really reaches millions of people as well. And so the global impact, the amount of people all over the place that I talk to that have a pastor, missionary, author, someone that has touched their life, I realize, yeah, it's slow moving, but the sparks of impact are just very, they reverberate powerfully and deeply throughout the nations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I travel really internationally, as well as all across the, the country, you often hear people referencing somehow a connection to Moody Bible Institute, whether it was a, a, an alum, the direct ministry of D.L. Moody and, and what he did and the impact. And that's what I love about the kingdom work that we're involved with. We don't always see the full results, but you look at an institution over 130 years 
and the impact that it has had is, is absolutely tremendous. So Moody started in the context of the church, just like pretty much all Bible colleges, had somewhere in their past, some historical connection. They, they met in the back of the church auditorium as a Bible institute and then became a bit more formalized and accreditation and turned into colleges and universities. And yet we all experience what I think is a tension between the academy and the church. So you, you wouldn't expect there to be a tension. If biblical higher education started in the context of the church, you'd think that automatically those connections would be very, very natural. And yet there's this tension. What do you think contributes to that tension between the academy and the church? Yeah, Phil, you know, I think it's a little bit like marriage. Sometimes it flows very well together, and sometimes you see the differences and you have to learn to work together. And when you're working together, it becomes a powerful force with a double portion of anointing, so to speak. Yeah, so... Moody, like a lot of institutions, D.L. Moody, well, he, he was an evangelist, but he also started a church in the early days. And so it was birthed out of a church. Like most Bible colleges, it was somewhat informal, not accredited, but very focused on training the next generation of laborers. And as years go by, things get a little bit more formal, more sophisticated, accredited, I think that the challenge is that oftentimes it's a bit siloed. I tell our students, by the way, just recently in a chapel, I told our students, the incoming freshmen, one of your priorities is to find a local church and to plug in. Chapel is not your church service. I'm not uh, your pastor in this context. And you cannot divorce yourself for four years from the local church and then expect to go out and lead the church or serve in the church. So as, as a pastor, I am very, very adamant about our students getting engaged in the local church. And you, you have to keep in mind that the setting people are uprooted, uh, students are uprooted from their local churches. They're in a different city, typically a different setting. And it's easy for them not to engage fully. I think also, so that's one thing. I think that students need to be fully engaged. And if they're not engaged, it creates a, a bit of a separation. I think there's a tendency as well, if we're not careful for higher education, academic settings, seminary students to take a lot of knowledge and go out to local churches. And if they're not careful, be somewhat critical because they've just been in deep theology classes and, you know, take three courses in theology and you're dangerous because you think you know everything. And the local pastor that's been serving there, maybe it's easy to view them in a critical lens because you really haven't done any significant ministry yet. And so I think the academic versus the practical tends to uh, bring a division there. I think also the challenge of, I think also the challenge of making sure that, that our Bible colleges are champions for the church, waving the flag as strongly as we can, as opposed to 
feeling competitive with the church. And I think that sometimes churches can view Bible colleges, higher education with a bit suspicion because you're pulling people out. Sometimes these students come back a little bit more critical. I think that churches should look at Bible colleges and be the biggest supporters because they know that we are uh, highlighting churches, that we are the greatest cheerleaders for the church. The tip of the spear, and and of course, as a pastor, I'm a pastor. Our provost uh, was a pastor. The head of our seminary was a pastor as well. And so I think we need to have this mentality that the tip of the spear is the local church. Administrators of Bible colleges and everyone that's involved should be understanding that we are training and equipping for the tip of the spear, which is the movement that Jesus said would transform the world, which is the church, with all of its flaws and fallacies, but it's still God's methodology to transform our world. And so I do think that the higher education Bible colleges need to make sure they're understanding we're not just training individuals that love Jesus to go out and do their thing. We're training individuals that love Jesus that need to be highly connected, involved, and engaged in God's methodology to change the world, which is the church. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is sponsored by ABHE, the Association for Biblical Higher Education. At ABHE, bringing the love and light of Christ to the world is reflected in our drive to see our member institutions flourish leading them to a time of success for their institution and giving them the tools and insights they need to look toward the future. Interested in learning more about membership with ABHE? Visit us at abhe.org or send us an email to membership at abhe.org. ABHE is your partner committed to advancing biblical higher education for kingdom impact. Now back to the show. Oftentimes, a great question that within biblical higher education to ask of, of themselves, the leadership, of, and it's a hard question oftentimes to answer, is how are we perceived as serving the church? I, I think s- somewhere along the lines of that continuum of a Bible Institute starting in the context of the church and then becoming itself, it's like the table's turned and the institution is in a position to say, oh, church, we know what you need. And so just send your students our way. We'll train them and send them back to you. And I think that that's what's gone wrong with it, when in reality, the Institute ought to be asking the question, almost from a position of servanthood, church, how can we best serve you? Yes, 100%. And you know what, Phil, when Moody had been a pastor for a couple of decades, and when Moody asked me, to be the president, I really had to, my initial answer was, no, I'm not interested. I love Moody, but I don't want to lead Moody. I, I love what I'm doing. And I've been doing this for a long time and seen thousands of people come to Christ. And my wife said, you need to pray about it. And when everything was said and done, it took four months. It was unanimous vote to ask me to be their president. The lingering question was, though, I still want to be engaged in pastoral ministry. And so when I talked to the chairman of the board, I said, I will say yes if I can stay engaged in pastoral ministry. 
If I can't, my answer is no. And at first they had to really talk through it because they felt like we don't want to make it seem like you're divided in your interests. But I told them, and I think it's born fruit. I said, I think I'll be a better president. In my case, this is not everybody's cases, but I, I said, I think I'll be a better president if I have my boots on the ground in doing what I'm doing. And so I feel like it's, I preach every other week. I'm still engaged in raising leaders, helping to plant churches. And so I tell people I can on Sunday morning be putting my arm around a tatted up gang affiliated member that's giving his life to Christ. And then on Tuesday, discussing the intricacies of dispensationalism in a theology class. But I think it helps me be better at what I'm doing. And by the way, I told the board, and if you're listening and you're president of a college, I would encourage you to ask your board members if they're engaged in a local church. Because when I talked to the board, I, I said, I expect that all of you will be engaged in your local church. And I expect all our faculty and everybody on staff to be engaged in their local church. And you should be serving, engaged, committed in your local church, because we cannot be healthy believers. The, the, we are not a substitute for the local church. We are accelerators of the local church that come alongside to help serve the local church. So five five years into it, and you know, at the top of the the show, I kind of listed out you know all of the things that you're involved with. I, I would love to see what your weekly schedule actually looks like between because leading Moody Bible Institute isn't just leading the Bible College; it's also leading the radio side and the publication side, and then you're also pastoring, and then you also have this other organization. So five years into it, are you able to keep a good balance between all, all of those responsibilities? You know, I have to continue to readjust, recalibrate. We, but I feel like I have a healthy rhythm. I would say that if I had small children at home, I probably would not be able to do what I'm doing right now. We're empty nesters. My wife is able to travel with me. She's as engaged as I am. And even before coming to Moody, I, I'm leading a multi-site you know, 27 locations. So part of it is knowing how to put right leaders in place and clear goals and vision, getting out of the way of good leaders and empowering them and supporting them where needed. And, uh, but yeah, so my, I feel like I have a good rhythm. I mean, Moody does have the network of radio stations and aviation school in Spokane and a seminary up in Michigan and the undergrad in the seminary and then the publishing arm of it. So there's about a thousand employees, a lot going on. But I've learned over the years that there's certain things that I do very well and there's other things I need to get people around me that do it much better than I could do it. And so I've defined what I do, distilled it. I cast vision. I clarify our mission. I recruit a qualified, excellent team that's on board together. And I help the, our teams have a strategy to accomplish our mission. 
And then I'm a cheerleader, celebrator, and someone that comes in and helps remove obstacles and keep the team on target. Most of the other stuff other people can do as good or better than I can do. And so that allows me the ability to meet with key leaders. And if you don't get good leaders, then you end up doing the job of the leaders. And so part of it's getting the good leaders, but being clear about that. And so I think that most of us, most of us are drained, not by the call that God has upon our life, but by responsibilities that we take on that we should probably not have taken on. And what drains us is not what we are impassioned by, but the baggage that we carry that we should have probably released to other people. And I run into a lot of leaders that are exhausted and tired, that wish they could spend some more time in what energizes them. And I think that they usually don't last very long in those positions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, a perspective that you've maintained is that these aren't separate responsibilities that you have. There's almost like a blending together that what you do at the church impacts what you do at Moody, which impacts, you know, other elements of your responsibility. So what, when going back to the topic of the church specifically, okay, so now you are pastoring, you're in the context of the church that helps you keep sharp with that list out two or three other ways that you are very intentional about making the connection between Moody Bible Institute and the church. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, the big umbrella is the kingdom of God and the mission and the The mission of Moody Bible Institute parallels the church very closely. We want to get the the gospel of Jesus Christ out to as many people as we can, and we want to equip people to live on mission. And the church's focus is very similar. So a couple of things that we do, for example, I encourage the ministry, you know, I pastor in the city of Chicago. Chicago's in the news all the time because typically for bad things, not good things. But recently, just to give a current example, there are close to 20,000 asylum seekers, immigrants that have come to Chicago in the last 10 months, created a huge crisis and dynamic in the city of Chicago. These are people that are mainly Venezuelans that are somewhat homeless. And our church has rolled up our sleeves to minister to them, bring them in, feed them, clothe them, take them to Spanish services. We've seen many of them come to Christ. And so recently, one of our leaders at the school just talked to me and said, hey, we have a lot of students that are ministering to these uh, homeless people, these Venezuelan asylum seekers. How can we work together? And I said, hey, I'm going to connect you with people in the local church that have more resources in terms of housing, clothing, and so forth, and connect our students with them. So we're ministering to the same city. And so some of the problems of the city are both Moody Bible Institute's issues in terms of the students, but they're also the church's issue. And so those things wrap into each other very easily. And I think a lot of Bible colleges are in that place as well. There's resources that Bible colleges have in terms of student manpower and that churches have in terms of helping them out. We have what we call PCM, which is Practical Christian Ministry. So all of our students are required 
to engage every week in a ministry somewhere in the city. And much of that is church related. And so that's a natural connection. In other words, this isn't optional. This isn't volunteer. This is part of you're required to be engaged in the city. And so I would encourage any college that's training people for ministry, you need to have a component that's practical as well. And so that helps create a liaison between the church. So our students serve as youth pastors, as worship leaders, as mentors, they help in programs that's required. So we have a department that's specifically engaged uh, with ministries, but with a lot of churches around the city. And we assign our students to those ministries so that they can learn. So it's a blessing to the churches And it's also a blessing to our students as well. One other thing I would say, we also host events on campus that are a blessing to the churches as well. For example, we just hosted a back-to-school prayer rally. We did it in the plaza of of the school, which is in the heart of the city of Chicago. And we invited uh, churches and pastors and leaders from all over the city to come and join us as we pray for the students of our city to be able to start a safe school year. And so we have people from all over the city, churches and leaders and pastors from all over the city that come and engage. One other thing I would say, one other, is that, and I'm sure a lot of Bible colleges do this, but I actively look for chapel speakers that are pastors in our communities and invite them to come and speak in chapel. And I, I celebrate them as local heroes because they're people that are doing the ministry. And I want our students to know both small churches and large churches. I want them to know these incredible people that are out there serving in the city of Chicago. And then typically I will do lunch with them afterwards just to see how they're doing and connect with them as well. Yeah, yeah. So if I were to summarize our conversation, there, there's, not a, there's not a one strategy. There's not a one, hey, if you do this, then you will automatically build the connection between the church and, and the academy and everything is going to be great. I, I really like how you've listed several things throughout, even the pastoral experience that some of your employees have had, the requirement that students are engaged uh, in a church on the weekends. We don't provide church for you here at Moody Bible Institute. The idea is for you to go in and and plug into the church, the the Christian service requirement, blessing the church, the community. I'm sure that you do events, pastors, conferences, that you bring them in. And there's like an intentionality that you have that, that at any point that you have influence, whether it's something big or whether it's something small, you're thinking about it from the context of the church and the school. They're, they're not, you're not operating in those silos. Absolutely. Phil, we just did, I speak Spanish because I grew up in Spain. And so there's a lot of Spanish uh, speaking people in the city of Chicago. And so we'd never done this before, but we gathered about 20, 25 Spanish pastors from around the area and said, we're thinking about doing a men's event Uh, talk to us about it. Would you be supported? Is there a need? Would you be interested in that? And so we hosted them for lunch, just uh, talked to them about it. They gave input. They helped shape the event. 
And with no more than three months of promotion, we had almost 1,200 Spanish-speaking men at this event. The worship was in Spanish. I preached one of the sessions. We had guest speakers. And so many of the pastors were, thank you. We needed something to rally our men. But, but I think the important position, posture towards our pastors is that we value your voice. We're here to serve you. Come help shape this. Maybe a, a Spanish pastor of a very small church of you know 50 people, but we're wanting to hear them speak into an event at this big institution in downtown Chicago. And I think that's an important posture for presidents of uh, Bible colleges as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, our time is wrapping up. I wish we had some more time to talk about this because this is such a critical thing. So in our last minute, as you vision the future, as you look at the next 20, 30 years, this tension between the church and the academy, what does that future look like? Where do you see biblical higher education going in the next 20 to 30 years? Yeah, boy, we could do a whole podcast on that, couldn't we? But I think the bigger trends that I see is... I see a huge need for giving access to internationals that, that have much less access to good theological education than we have. There are countries where they have millions of people and very little access. With technology now, there's a lot more p- potential and possibility. A whole open doors have there's a whole world that's opened up to us if we know how to leverage technology. So I see it being a little bit more decentralized, being channel agnostic, where people are being able to access education from a lot more different places. I see us having being much more embedded in churches as well. Going back to the roots of the Bible college movement, I think that there's a place for not just the dissemination of knowledge, but the hands-on practical approach to ministry. And so I see much of it going, going outward towards churches as well, saying, we'll train, but you need to mentor them in the practicality of ministry as well. So I see some exciting days in the future. It will be disruptive, but I think that we can train more people than we've ever trained before. Amen. Amen. Well, Mark, thank you for being a disruptive leader. Uh, Thank you for uh, the work that you do at at, at Moody, the impact that you've had on the church, uh, other organizations. And on behalf of the movement of biblical higher education, uh, we're just thrilled with schools like Moody Bible Institute who have stayed faithful to their mission for uh, so many years. And uh, I think the, the, the future is bright. And uh, one of the reasons why that will be is because we've been intentional about making that connection from the work that we do to the church. The church is God's plan A for this age. And we have got to be servants to the church, going to the church and saying, church, how can we serve you? So thank you, Mark. Appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your experiences with us today. And until next time, stay kingdom focused. Thanks for listening to Biblical Higher Ed Talk. For more, follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. 
We're delighted that you chose to spend a part of your day with us and encourage you to reach out to us with feedback, topics, or guests for the show. You can get in touch with Philip, your host, via LinkedIn or at biblicalhighereddtalk at abhe.org. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is a production of the Association for Biblical Higher Education in association with Westport Studios. Views expressed on this show are those of the participants and may not reflect the views of ABHE or Westport Studios. Bring light and life to your biblical higher educational organization by inquiring about membership with ABHE at abhe.org. We'll catch you next time.